0: I reached out to Carrie Keys, your boss, and I was like, hey, do you know any awesome MPHer who isn't going on to get a PhD, but they need to be really fun? <laughs> she was like, oh my God, I have the perfect person for you. <laughs>
1: I'm so, and I'm so glad you caught me in the middle of me making fully a game show. I'm glad that you're like, who's someone that's fun? And I'm like, mid Pat Sajak mode fully.
0: <laughs> Howdy doody. Welcome back to Shiny Epi People. I'm Lisa Bodner. I'm really happy that you're here. As always, the show is on Instagram and Twitter at Shiny Epi People. The show is at patreon.com slash shiny Today I'm speaking with Noah Kresge. Noah got their MPH at Columbia Mailman School of Public Health. Now they work as a data analyst for Carrie Keys at Columbia. And of course, you remember Carrie Keys from episode one of Shiny Epi People. They work for Carrie on projects relating to depressive symptoms, suicidal behavior, and substance use among adolescents. Noah is also very interested in LGBTQ health justice and anti-violence. I specifically wanted to bring someone onto the show to give a perspective on getting an MPH and then putting a pause on their training, but still staying in academia. So Noah and I discussed that. Noah identifies as non-binary, which they explained during our conversation. Noah wanted to share the feelings of how academia does not always make them feel safe and welcome and ways that we may change it for the better. Noah loves making theater, gaming, and debating, and as you'll see, laughing. They have an amazing sense of humor and insight into themselves. I hope you enjoy this chat. how are you? So great to meet you. It's so great to meet you. I'm glad we can finally sit down and chat. Totally. So we have this like thing in common where we like to make smart people do silly things.
1: (laughs) It just fuels me. It just speaks to my heart right here of like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's great that you're getting an MD or a PhD or whatever degree it is. Now come do silly challenges because I think it would be funny.
0: (laughs) Tell me about what you like to do to people.
1: We actually just wrapped up filming, so it's called Task Time, such that we don't get sued by Taskmaster, but it's fully a, a loving homage to Taskmaster.
0: Love Taskmaster.
1: Love. Love it. One of the challenges they had to do was just make the best noise. You have 15 minutes, you can use whatever you want, and people are like, what does that mean? And people were going like a full <laughs> spiral, like, what is best, and what is noise, and fully... It was just a slow downward spiral. You know, come to find out the winner is the person who did like a full armpit fart noise that was like the loudest, most obnoxious version of that I've ever heard. One person ran downstairs, grabbed their partner, came back up, was like, we're doing a full 2021 remix of Cotton Eye Joe with like a ladle, a metallic bowl. (laughs) And I'm just watching the whole time like, yes, good, good, fantastic. we love to see it.
0: (laughs) Who were these people?
1: Grad students, med students from uh, Columbia, there's a theater group on campus, uh, and we're all usually doing, you know, any number of nonsensical things and have had to get extra creative uh, in the time of pandemic. So it's sort of folks from all over Columbia. Okay, Noah, take me back to theater How did you begin? Absolutely. I mean, I've been doing theater for, you know, a decade and a half at this point. Full theater kid, former drama club president from back in the day. So I was very cool in high school, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of went away a little bit in undergrad. I was like, oh, I need to, you know, I'm a serious scientist now. I need to focus on that. And then as time went on, I was like, I so miss having something creative grad school can really wear on you, of course. And I was like, I need something that's not just me and these journal articles, me and this research, me and these numbers. I need something creative to sort of, you know, compartmentalize a bit like okay I can shut the those parts of my brain off for a bit go do my creative thing and I was just so surprised that this group on campus Broadway Haven Players they were such a wonderful group and it's so nice to see because it's really mostly med students who somehow have found time to carve out of their week to come and do full productions of things wow. um, and it, it's been so nice. Although I will say they they like to do a lot of very serious material, which, you know, you'd think if you're dealing in medicine or healthcare, you want something <laughs> a little bit more joyful. Um,
0: so what what is your role?
1: I have actually for the first time taken on a role as a director, a writer, I'm editing sketches and this game show that you and I were talking about, yeah. so I'm really doing a little of everything. They were, you know, sort of calling for, hey, who has sort of creative ideas that can work remotely. And I was like, you know what? These are things I've loved to do. It's me. The answer is me.
0: Yeah. Is it a lot of laughter?
1: You know, I'm trying to make it more so. They love to do like Chekhov and Shakespeare tragedies. This is really the review that people are like, hey, that's all good. What if we threw a pie instead? That would be nice. (laughs) Like something a little bit different energy wise. (laughs) This group, it was such a nice mix of people who love that and have so much love for theater things. And also can relate on the other level of, that's great. And also I have all this other stuff that I'm doing, you know, as opposed to people who are just all about the theater or just all about the science. The You know, we love balance. We love balance.
0: That's amazing. Oh, I I love this. I want to see one of these performances. This sounds really fun. I
1: I will absolutely on Twitter be uh, promoting it, I'm sure. So absolutely, please come and see.
0: So you work for Carrie. Your date... Ooh. Oh, oh, Ding dong. A
1: special surprise guest, a.k.a. I guess my roommate has a package <laughs> arising.
0: Bummer. I thought you were going to bring like surprise person <laughs> in. Like,
1: What's that? Charos at my door?
0: Like the peewee <laughs> Christmas special? Just surprise. So you're a data analyst for Carrie? Is that right? I am indeed, yeah. So, okay. sort of a,
1: a little bit of everything, uh, helping out, which I am more than happy to turn this into a Carrie Keys fan podcast because I just <laughs> I'm such a huge fan of hers, uh, and I've loved working with her.
0: Yeah, tell me what you love about Carrie Keys.
1: I certainly had the benefit of she was my thesis advisor, so was working one on one in terms of you know sort of that original work there, and really just has been so supportive to say like, hey, I know you're interested in this Venn diagram of. Youth, mental health, and LGBT stuff. I do things relating to youth and mental health. And as much as like the LGBT circle of that Venn diagram is maybe not as strong Mm -hmm. necessarily. There's some, but not a ton. She has really gone out of her way to say, there are things happening at Columbia. Let's find those for you and get you involved with them. And so to have someone that's so supportive there has just been really such a treat.
0: Are you able to do your own analyses and papers? Or are you mostly working on things, papers that, you know, she or other students are writing? Yeah, I mean, there's
1: certainly no lack of things that Carrie is working on that needs analysis, writing any number of things to get things from point A of the idea to point B of publication. So I mm-hmm. definitely certainly have my hours filled pretty fully. Yeah. But she has gone out of her way to say like, "Hey, I know people taking study uh, applications if you want to pitch something to this data set or to mm. this professor." It's it's not as though, you know, it takes up a huge huge amount of my time. It is really just there is a natural ebb and flow to the work that I'm doing with Carrie, so it may be that there are times where everything that I'm working on for her is paused and then I take those opportunities to then say, "Oh, what do I want to be involved in elsewhere?" And I have some time to carve out to work on those things. So certainly, of course, working on what I need to for carries the priority. And also, there is some flexibility to be incorporating that other stuff.
0: When you finished with your MPH, why did you decide you wanted to stay with the MPH and not move on? Um, Because I had really, in undergrad, really
1: approached a lot of things
0: as an advocate and had been working
1: in a lot of nonprofit settings. So I was with the Anti-Violence Project for a bit, with the Hedrick Martin Institute for LGBT youth. And I was so you know, inspired by the work that those organizations were doing. And there were so many wonderful leaders, so many wonderful advocates, but I knew that there were not a ton of necessarily people who were excited about the number side of things. And I thought, oh, I can do that. That could be, yeah, that could be how I help out. So originally the plan was, I'm going to go, I'm going to learn as much number stuff as I can. I'm going to take that and duck right back to help out. So certainly that would have also been the route that was like, great, I have the MPH, let's get to work. Me staying with Carrie is the product of me just being such a fan of her work and saying, oh, there is so much that I can be working on here. And I feel like I have a good number of skills already. I want to take the time, get some publications, get working on the topics that are really important to me that I'm passionate about. And then if a PhD happens at some point, wonderful. But for right now, certainly I've been really excited for so long to jump in and be helping and be working on things that really are important to me. And I am just so fortunate that Carrie has really given the opportunity to do exactly that. So part of my thinking up until this point has also been just that I am however young, and there is plenty of time to try all of the things. So at some point, I would still love to try out a nonprofit setting, an applied setting in that sort of area. Sometimes the wheels of academia move very slowly. Mm -hmm. um, And I, I do sometimes sort of yearn for getting back in touch with the various LGBTQ communities that really brought me to public health in the first place. Mm -hmm. But for the work that I'm doing now, I definitely still feel really wonderful about what's happening. But that feeling, especially as I've gotten better equipped with like, you know, SAS and R and other programming stuff, working on a problem for just a little too long, and then figuring it out, just that wave of relief of... (sighs) I did the thing. I'm brilliant. You can't. The, The other day we were trying to recreate some numbers from a paper. I did a big, long analytic thing. I got the numbers exactly. I was like, you can't tell me anything. I am the best there's ever been at programming. I'm a star. I'm a champion. Ugh.
0: You wanted to talk today, you wanted to share some thoughts about being a non-binary person in public health.
1: Absolutely. So for for anyone who's listening and maybe is not as familiar with that as a term, non-binary, it just means that my gender identity doesn't fit as neatly into boxes of male or female exclusively. Um, So I... You know, use pronouns of they and them. Non-binary is also an umbrella term for a lot of different gender identities, a lot of different ways of being, a lot of different pronouns. Um, So as much as I am thrilled to talk today about my experience, that's of course not every non-binary person's experience, happy to talk about myself, always happy to talk about myself, always <laughs> happy to talk too much about myself, perhaps. Um, but yeah, may, so maybe let's start with research a little yeah, bit. Just please, sort of the, please. Absolutely. I mean, certainly a lot of the work I do is with young people. And there is sometimes this resistance or this, you know, frankly, non-inclusion of the idea of there being non-binary young people. But we know that to not be true. We know that increasingly so, young people are becoming even better equipped to have the language to say what gender and sexuality terms, identities, ideas fit best for them. And so, you know, to see survey after survey where there's just none of that, it it gets a little disheartening, especially I know that if I was a young person um, today, and even back in the day, I would have felt this way That to see on a survey item, you know, male, female, or just, and then the space for something outside of that, it would have been life-changing to Mm. me. I didn't know the term non-binary until much later. And had I known it sooner, it would have made so much, I think, make sense. I just, that language is so important. So in some ways, I think there's almost like a responsibility to be putting that out in the world and be saying to young people, this is a thing that exists. And if it applies to you, wonderful.
0: How did that feel in those moments where and a, an assessment or a questionnaire says male or female i mean it certainly gets disheartening it certainly I, I it it certainly
1: still comes up when i'm submitting things to journals and there's not my honorific so for instance my honorific is mx period which is pronounced mm-hmm. mix um or just you know straight up the gender options are just male female so it makes me feel not necessarily welcome and when i was younger you know, there would be occasions where that question would come up and I would just not put anything. So then when people are talking, for instance, about data imputation, I'm always of a mindset like, why is this missing? Like, what is that young person thinking and feeling Mm -hmm. when that's not being answered? And so it just, it, it makes me, it's certainly difficult for me emotionally when that happens. And I have such an empathy for other young people who may be in a similar situation I think there is sort of a collective effort to say, oh, we need to be doing better. I think the execution is still underway. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can just fall to, you know, the word that gets used is male, female, other. But of course, yeah. that label of other can feel other ring. Other ring. <laughs> just by definition. Exactly. <laughs> totally. And so, and yeah. it's, you know, in terms of, you know, what is the ideal, uh, sort of the phrasing I've considered is just, gender not listed above. I mean, it just speaks to the facts of like, hey, you don't have what I, you know, use. You don't have what Mm -hmm. I would put. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do definitely think that there is at least some push towards we need to be recognizing this. Um, And so I think, you know, I'm hopeful. I would say that. I am certainly hopeful.
0: Noah, why do you want to talk about being non-binary in public health?
1: Yeah. I mean, certainly one of the things that springs to mind for that is just especially because most of the people I know or collaborate with are doing things with surveys that have samples of hundreds of young people, thousands of young people, tens of thousands of young people. If nothing else, I really just want people to recognize like you statistically have non-binary young people in your studies. Mm. You just do. They're they're not like miraculously missing from your work just because you're not collecting that. So it's being able to sort of be better collectively in capturing that and to say, like, what are the ways in which I can make those young people feel supported and welcome? That's just really important. And also, I mean, I would love to talk a little bit about um, sort of the day-to-day. I know we had talked a little bit. There are also things that we can be doing as a field to make non-binary people in public health more comfortable. So for instance, does your venue of your conference have gender-neutral bathrooms? Um, And then certainly there are also independent experiences that you know speak to my own dysphoria for instance when you are at a conference you have to dress quote-unquote professionally but the more quote-unquote professional your attire is the more heavily gender binarized it is so I'm and it's so it's so it gets so uncomfortable like what is the outfit that makes me feel comfortable but also like professional and You know, I feel like sometimes with non-binary folks, there's this unfair expectation of, like, if you're being formal, it has to be this beautiful, effortless androgyny, which is not (laughs) on my radar at all. Like, I most days look like an extra in a community theater production of Frog and Toad, like that. Too many earth tones, too many sweaters. That's what we've got going on, and that's what works for us. Just various things like that, or having to balance, like you know, how are people perceiving me or making sure people know my pronouns, but also sort of the, you know, ebb and flow of, I want to be visible and I want people to know this about me, but also these are strangers at a conference, for instance, or a meeting. And this is one of the first things they're seeing about me. And so it's just, mm. it can be very vulnerable sure. to be so visible in that way. And it's just all of these things play out at a conference where I should instead be able to just, you know, focus on the research that's being presented. So... Mm -hmm. If if nothing else, I would hope that people are thinking about, oh, how can I maybe be helping, you know, the non-binary folks I know uh, around me? And, you know, if if you don't have non-binary folks around you, get some. We're lovely. You should absolutely be spending time with us.
0: Totally. So what do you wear when you go to these meetings?
1: It, and certainly that's that's I'm still figuring it out because usually yeah. the default is just, you know what, I'm exhausted here. Here's a suit and a tie and I'll just be uncomfortable for a while. Oh, wow. So it, it's not it's not necessarily great. I mean, especially as like I am a heavier set person. So that adds on a whole other layer of like, mm. you know, fashion and clothing is not necessarily designed with my body and mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, if I figure it out, I would love to figure it out. I will absolutely tell you before <laughs> anyone else. Uh, but that might take a bit. Is there anything else about that, Noah, that you wanted to share? The only other two things um, I want to say are definitely just, you know, if someone trusts you with their pronoun stuff, like again, my pronouns are they and them, definitely be Everybody doing your best to respect that. It's just, you know, someone's inviting you to say, "Hey, this is part of me and I would love for you to, you know, know this about myself and to have that respected." So, when people slip, mm-hmm. what's the best way for someone to handle it? You know, sometimes th- there can be an instinct of people to have a big long drawn out like, "I'm so sorry and I was thinking this" and like a like a minute and a half long <laughs> monologue right. moments like, "No, this is the thing that's making me uncomfortable." <laughs> And instead, and instead to just say like, "Oh, I made a mistake. I apologize. The pronoun is this," and then carry forward. Like Got most it. people I know, much prefer like, "I was wrong. This is the right thing. Great. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Effort
1: is so important to me, and the execution will get there. I have I have faith. the The last thing is just you know less less so in psych epi, but I definitely see. However many neuroscience talks or papers what have you that really just boiled down to boy brains are like this and girl brains are like this and I'm like okay I guess when they were handing out brains I don't get one I just (laughs) head empty I just keep Halloween candy up there instead
0: (laughs) (laughs) that would be fun um so are people in neuroscience starting to make some changes I,
1: I mean, certainly I, at this point, have, I, I was going to say a bad habit, but maybe a good habit, of whenever those talks happen of and they open up to questions, I make the point of saying, hey, how does this account for, you know, generally speaking, trans and or non-binary folks? And the answer is usually a, hmm, good question. I'll work on that. So I'm going to really? hope that that is a genuine, we'll work on that. Wow. Uh, and not just them deflecting the angry non-binary in the room. We <laughs> Doesn't can. Doesn't sound
0: like you're angry at all. It sounds like, <laughs> although it sounds like you should be angry, but you're being quite pleasant in order to make people comfortable, which kind of sucks. It's a pleasant passive aggression. That, I <laughs> That's the goal. What's something people might not know about you? Back in the day, I used to do competitive gardening.
1: Okay, what? (laughs) Well, we would do, for instance, we would grow zucchini and tomatoes, and we would make our own pickles and other things like that, and submit to, there was like nearby fairs and other venues, and I would win blue ribbons. Uh, Well, what did you win blue ribbons for? What didn't I win blue ribbons for? (laughs) 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 There is... Okay, I'm gonna send this to you after. I have yeah. there's a photo of me with just like an overflowing cornucopia of zucchini that's like larger than I am, and really? I look I look fully like an Ann Getty's baby I fully, <laughs> in the zucchini, which I realize sounds like a fever dream as I tell it. So I hope this is all real and I've not just imagined it. Uh, but I'll get back to you on that.
0: Okay, please. I want the photographic evidence, please.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: What's your favorite board game?
1: There is a Golden Girls version of Clue. It's like figuring out who had the last slice of cheesecake, and you can play as one of the four (gasps) Golden Girls. But then also as Stan, the, like, hated ex-husband. Yeah. Who do you like to be? Oh, I mean, of course I have a place in my heart for Dorothy. We love a quick punchline. We love a quick comeback. (laughs) But (laughs) I do a bunch of tabletop gaming stuff. um, And the game that I play, kind of in the style of Dungeons & Dragons, is called Monster of the Week. So it's inspired by things like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Scooby-Doo. And my Uh. friends all made characters and get to play in stories that I've written uh, and that we make together fighting different monsters. And it's really fun. Everybody has their character sheet and everybody... They really went hard with these characters. One person plays it's a mashup of all of the Scooby-Doo characters called Miss Terry Machine
0: which we <laughs> Wait, because time. that's a mix of
1: So well, Miss Terry Machine, like the like the car Mystery Machine.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wasn't <laughs> getting that at all. Okay. <laughs> Go on.
1: And it's just deeply chaotic and I get to wrangle their chaos and have a lovely time. I I set it up because I like to incorporate other parts of my world into it. So one was set in like a big lab uh, situation, big (laughs) science labs, but like a biosphere. Um, And they're fighting a big sentient plant that was sort of draining people's memories. It was a whole big, you know, uh, sci-fi moment and they they had a great time. (laughs) If you were a drag queen, what would your name be? Oh, I had this at one point in time because I used to have like a long list. The I think the most recent one, <laughs> well, the most recent one was uh, what you call Miss Angela Sashes because I was reading Angela's Ashes. <laughs> if I was on Drag Race, here's like my intro line. Yeah. yeah <clears throat> okay. My name is Miss Angela Sashes and I'm one part Miss Yvonne from Pee Wee, one part Miss Frizzle and one part Miss Piggy. So I'm a pile of misses and hopefully a few hits. It's so dumb. So dumb. It is,
0: but I but I appreciate it. <laughs>
1: You have a list of other drag queen names you would be? Somewhere it, It's really just like it gets to a point where like every loose unrelated noun slowly gets morphed into a drag name in my home. It's just one of those environments. At okay. one point, my roommate was like, I'm going to be, I bought pastina because I was making soup because one of us was sick. I was like, I'm going to be Sarina Pastina.
0: <laughs> I was like, sure you are, Matt. Why not? Did you tell me you were going to be M plus? M plus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if I had a drag queen name, yeah. it would have to do with classic games, <gasps> such as Silly Putty. Oh,
1: I love that.
0: Solitaire.
1: Ooh, that has some mystery to it. I
0: know. <laughs> or what about Hasbro Slinky? <laughs> <laughs> you know, anything could be a drag name if you just believe hard enough.
1: Right, I- right? <laughs> Although I do know for a fact there's also just a drag queen named Potato.
0: So, like I've said, anything could really be a (laughs) drag name if you I know! Um, What do you like most about yourself? Getting
1: introspective here, my goodness. These are good questions. Thank you. Yeah. The thing I like most about myself, I mean, and then this is something I really, especially the past few years, have really prioritized and focused on, is really just I always try and make it a priority of like, what are the ways in which I can be adding joy and kindness to other people's lives? Because Mm. I mean, time is short. There's not necessarily, you know, if I do nothing else, that is the thing I want to do. I want to make sure that I am adding to people's worlds uh, and filling time as opposed to just killing time in all the ways that can make someone's day brighter. So You know, whether that's, you know, a kind word or, you know, roping people into my theatrical chaos. Um, Always something doing.
0: Well, you're making my night much better. (sighs) You're making my night much better. My goodness. What's the last show you binged and loved?
1: Oh, I've been watching um, Bling Empire. It's sort of in the same vein as Real Housewives. Yeah. And it's like people who have infinitely more money than they know what to do with throwing like lavish birthday parties for their one-year-old baby and, you know, getting (laughs) getting in fights over the dumbest things. And I just love some trash like that. It's a tangled web of people who collectively seem to have maybe two brain cells, but infinite amounts (laughs) of resources. And let me tell you, it makes for wonderful TV. Do you like like a Real Housewives uh, show or not? Okay, so much? i
0: i have I have something to admit. <sighs> I've never seen any of the Real Housewives episodes in my life. this
1: This conversation is done. We're through here. <laughs> How dare
0: you? <laughs> I don't know that I've ever admitted that out loud.
1: <sighs> I expect your public apology in the morning. Wow, that's <laughs> brutal.
0: I know what's wrong with me. <laughs> I oh, don't know. I like other Bravo shows. Like I watch the hell out of Millionaire Matchmaker. Ugh. <laughs> Noah, it's been so wonderful getting to know you.
1: It has been so wonderful talking to you. Thank you for having me.
0: I love this idea of, like, an Epi – what were we saying it was? It was, like – Musical? (laughs) Is that what he said? I don't know. What are you (laughs) And then we said something like Epi people doing ridiculous –
1: Task time. A version of task time with Epi folks. I would love to host that. We could do that even as, like, a fundraiser for something. I'm sure people would donate (gasps) to see people do uh, silly nonsense.
0: I just feel like my wheels are turning – Yes, 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 and we love it. We love it. (laughs) Yes, and. Oh my gosh. Okay, Noah, this is just the beginning.
1: It's just the beginning. I'm so excited. (laughs)